What's up everybody? I want to do a video today and talk a little bit about the Sony RX100 Mark IV, which was just released. This was announced a few weeks ago, and as many of you know, I've been such a huge fan of the last version, the Mark III. I bought it, I guess, in February, and since it has pretty much become my go-to camera uh, for traveling, um, when I'm shooting in situations where I don't want to draw a lot of attention with having a big DSLR, or I don't want the bulk and the heft of having to carry a DSLR and lenses around, and these cameras are really great for that, uh, Sony has gone out out of their way to just see how many features they can pack into these things and you know for a camera with a one inch sensor that's essentially a point and shoot these are amazing and so I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that are new in the Mark IV today and I do want to say this too um, I want to do a more extensive proper review on this camera because it's got so much to it that I think is potentially on paper very useful there's a lot of big changes from the Mark III and a lot of things they've added and so I want to have some time to put that through its paces and some of you guys have suggested as well when I do equipment review that I go a little more into depth with practical use, what applications are the best. The autofocus alone on these is very complicated, and so I would like some time with this camera to do that. So over the next three or four weeks, I have my trip to LA planned, so I plan on taking the camera with me and putting it through its paces, and I will do a more extensive, um, complete review at that point. But what I want to do today is at least talk a little bit about this camera and show you some of the new features that Sony have added in here. And like I said, literally, this came in the mail the day before yesterday, so um, I'm very excited about it. Um, and as you can see, I've got the Mark III right here, and this is the Mark IV, and there are really barely any physical differences between the two. Um, it's the, pretty much the same body they're using. There's some little slight differences on, they moved the ports over just a little couple millimeters on one, and, and also the, they have changed the material on the focus uh, ring and so it's just a little more grip friendly uh, rather than having a line it's a grid pattern on here but other than that there really aren't a whole lot of physical changes in the the actual body on here but under the hood there are a number of changes and this is some of the stuff i want to talk about today um, the sensor is it's the same sensor but it has been upgraded and sony have been using back backside illuminated sensors uh, since the version 2 of the rx100 line so that was in the 2 also version 3 and that is carried over to the mark 4 but um, essentially what they've done is they've made it a stacked CMOS sensor. Now, when you have a backside illuminated sensor, basically what that means is that light can strike the photocathode layer on the sensor without passing through the wiring layer. And so you have backside illumination. And so in theory, what that does is it gives you better low light performance. And then when you have a stacked version, which is what we have here, stacked basically is circuitry that's moved below the active pixel section. And when you move the circuitry, it gives you what they say on paper, an additional 30% improvement in light capturing capability. Now, this is the same technology that's going to be used in the Sony A7R Mark II that is coming out in August of this year. Now, it won't replace that at all, and I would be surprised if it competes on that same level because you're comparing a one-inch sensor in these small cameras to what is a full frame on the A7 series. So there, there's a big difference between the two, but I appreciate the fact that Sony are adding this to the one-inch sensor line because it does make the compact cameras very powerful. And as I mentioned before, there is a, a there are situations where you would want to use a compact camera um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, and I think it's really cool to see the technology getting to a place now where, where we're seeing really powerful cameras come out of a compact line. Um, another thing too is on the sensor, um, the way the sensor and the processor work together, they're using DRAM memory chips now on these cameras. And so basically, and these are Sony's words, the high-speed signal processing and DRAM memory chip work together to enable a more than five times faster readout of image data and response for a variety of standout features that have previously been available in only a select 
few professional level video cameras. So basically what I believe the reason they've done this is because this camera now has 4K video and it also has the ability to uh, process in real time over crank slow motion footage up to 960 frames a second which is pretty amazing and it also has what they call an ultra fast anti-distortion shutter and so basically what that means is the mechanical shutter still goes up to one two thousandth of a second but the electronic shutter now goes up to one thirty two thousandth of a second and so the idea here is that not only do you have a faster shutter performance you can shoot in brighter light but it supposedly gets rid of some of the um, the distortion that you get in video uh, mainly kind of the jello shutter and some of that. So they still both feature the pop-up flash and the pop-up OLED viewfinder and the viewfinder is improved on the Mark IV and it is noticeable. Um, this is one of the things that caught my eye right off the bat. The last one had a basically a 1440 dot display and it's almost been doubled to 2349 uh, thousand dot LED pop-up viewfinder and so one of the biggest differences that I know and this was a complaint I had when I did the review on the RX100 Mark III is it does take a little bit of getting used to if you're not used to working with an electronic viewfinder. These are mirrorless cameras, so there's no mirror, so it is an electronic viewfinder. But however, the higher resolution, um, you can think of it as like, you know, if you're looking at a retina display, um, you know, on one of your mobile devices as compared to the old display, I mean, it's a much higher density and it's easier to use and looks a lot cleaner and uh, is very cool. Another thing that has been improved is the maximum continuous shooting has been upped from 10 frames per second up to 16 frames per second, which is pretty amazing that a point and shoot is able to do that because that is faster than a lot of high-end DSLRs at this point. And to be able to use a camera when you're shooting sports or something like that. Now you don't have a very long lens on here. It's the same lens that was on the Mark III. The 35 millimeter equivalent at its longest is 70 millimeters. And so that's not the longest focal length in the world. But depending on what you're trying to capture, if you're trying to, you know, spray and pray kind of stuff, you're going to get a lot of frames per second with continuous shooting on here, which is very cool. Um, some of the biggest upgrades in the Mark IV are going to be in the video department. And everybody has been buzzing about the fact that this camera will handle 4K recording. And I think that's really cool. And certainly, even if you're doing a project that is final format, is going to be in 1080 or standard high definition. I guess that's a word now, rather than ultra high definition. Uh, 4K is still very usable and very cool because for the first time shooting video, if you're going to deliver in 10, or sorry, if you're going to deliver at 1080 as compared to 4K, um, you can now have the ability to do a little bit of cropping and zooming uh, in in post, which I think is actually fairly useful. Um, you can also kind of mimic camera angles sometimes if you have more pixels to work with, and so that is very cool. Um, also, it, on the Mark IV, that I think people haven't. Made is a big deal about. First of all, they have added support for user bit and time code stamping. So if you are in a professional application and you're using a smaller camera like this, it will integrate with the workflow. The HDMI has been improved and I want to talk about that a little bit along with the 4K because one of the caveats I have about the Mark IV is that you only get five minutes of internal 4K recording. And so that really doesn't make it very useful if you're shooting interviews or things where you need more than five minutes of recording time. In fact, five minutes is really pretty short. You could conceivably do some B-roll with this depending on what it is. Basically, just think of it as longer still shots that you're recording in 4K. Now, the HDMI has been updated. So now you have 24 frames per second output on it and you do have 4K. 
output on it. So I haven't had a chance to test this yet, but assuming that you had a recorder that supported 4K external recording, you could get a 4K signal from the HDMI output on here, which does make it useful and I believe will get you past that five minute 4K recording limit. So, you know, I don't think it's what you would buy if you needed a 4K video camera that's dedicated to doing 4K, but um, if you need something that's supplemental or something that at least it could be a second camera that you could plug in and do 4K with, I think that would be cool. Now 4K is cool, but I think additionally to that, some of the things that are really useful in terms of doing video are not only the addition of user bit and time code, but you also now have picture profiles that you're seeing on all of the Sony line now. So this is in the A7S, the A7R, the A7II, um, and picture profiles allow you to it, it better set up the video for the colors and the contrast that you're trying to capture. And what's really cool is one of those profiles is the S-Log2 profile that Sony gives. Now, if you're not familiar with what S-Log is or what that does, essentially it's, it's a picture profile that's set up and designed to record um, a very flat uh, uh, dynamic level response in lower light. And so sometimes when you're in low light or bad lighting, you have really dark darks and really bright brights. And one of the things that you want to be able to do in video when you're doing your color grading, uh, a lot of people find it very desirable to do what we call crushing blacks. And so that basically means making sure that you've got very rich blacks and they're very high contrast and very dark. The problem with that is, is if you crush too much with a picture profile, then you lose your black. So if I'm wearing a black shirt on a black background, you start to lose separation and definition. So with S-Log, the final result looks like a really flat picture. And so what that allows you to do is use something like DaVinci Resolve. Um, so something that's going to be a high-end color grading application to get better results. So with those additions, I believe that the RX100 Mark IV really does become more of a legitimate use video camera. And it's interesting to see, you know, when the Canon 5D came out and that started changing the way people were able to capture video. And of course we've had GoPro and a lot of other things too. And I remember reading recently that the new Mad Max film that came out and they've been filming that for a long time. I mean, it's taken almost 10 years to make, but a lot of those high-end action sequences were filmed using 5Ds. And, and the reason they want to use a DSLR on something like that is because it has a smaller form factor, it's a less expensive camera, and the design is such that you can put it in a place where it's harder to put um, larger, more proper video cameras. And so the fact that you can use these in those applications, I think is really exciting. And the fact that, you know, you compare this to the size of a 5D, this fits in the palm of your hand. And I think that's pretty amazing. And I think Sony have really made some advances in that area, not only with what they're doing with the electronical components, like with the sensor and with the processor, but with what they're allowing you to do with a feature set with video. So, you know, one of the big bummers for me is that everybody said, okay, it's going to handle 4K video right now. And I don't do a lot of stuff where I output to 4K, but I've wanted 4K for that cropping ability. And it was a little bit of a bummer to find out that you have a five minute limit on that. But, you know, you can still do XAVCS for the Kodak. And if you have a fast enough memory card, I think you need a UC3 size card. Uh, you can do up to 100 megabits a second, which is pretty, that's what you're going to need for 4K to compete with 1080p when you're doing that at 50 megabits a second. So um, anyway, a couple things to, to just think about. And as I mentioned, over the next few weeks, I'm going to be putting this camera through its paces and, uh, you know, finding out exactly what this is going to do, what it's going to do best and how I'm going to use it. One other thing I want to mention about the um, RX100 Mark 
Mark IV is a couple fixes that they've made um, over the Mark III. Now, these are both things that they could do with firmware upgrades, and so I don't know why there's no firmware upgrade yet for the Mark III. Firmware upgrades are funny anyway. It's like the camera companies tend to like, you know, well, we'll bring this feature and it'll come in a future firmware upgrade. And a lot of camera companies don't ever do firmware upgrades. Sony does, they're just not very often. Uh, this is fixable, but there's two things. First of all, when you use the electric, electronic viewfinder, um, the bug that was in the Mark III is that when I actually closed this down, it would indeed turn the camera off. And now they have added a menu setting in here giving you two options. You can have it turn the camera off as it did in the Mark III, or you can have it leave the camera on. As you can see, my camera is still on. So that's really nice. The other thing that they've added, this is very useful. And again, you could do this with firmware for, for the Mark III as well. When you were using the, the electronic viewfinder, it has a sensor. So when my eye is up to that, it turns off the main monitor and turns on the electronic viewfinder and then when I move my my head away it does the opposite and while this is actually really cool when you first start using it it is not so cool when you are actually using it a lot uh, first of all it's distracting when you're shooting an event or something like that to have this big bright monitor come up every now and then um, and also if you're shooting in a very sensitive situation where you have low light or something like that like maybe you're shooting a performance or something people around you are seeing this big bright monitor pop up every time you pull your head away from the camera so one thing they've added now which I think is very cool and it's assignable to any of the custom control functions I've just assign it to the C button, is when I push that button, it actually just turns off the, the main LCD and leaves on the EVF. So now I can use the electronic viewfinder. It does leave your aperture and exposure information on there, whatever you choose to display, but it does turn off the monitor. So this makes it a lot less annoying when you're going back and forth. Um, it keeps a big bright light from coming on if you're shooting a performance or something that's in a darker application. And so that is a huge plus. So big, big hats off to Sony for adding those. Um, I'll give them an even bigger congratulations when they release firmware update um, for the Mark III because it would be able, it would be really nice to be able to do in this camera. The Mark III is still an excellent camera. Um, again, I haven't had a chance to put the Mark IV through its paces yet. On paper and in theory, there's been a lot of additions to this camera that are going to technically make it a really nice performing low light camera, uh, particularly when you consider it only has a one inch sensor. So this isn't even APS-C size, this is really small. So anyway, that is just basically a quick overview of the RX100 Mark IV. And as I mentioned in the coming weeks, I will be doing a lot more with this. I'm going to do a proper review of this camera and as requested from some of you guys, I'm gonna put it through its paces and show you as far as applications, what it really does best. Um, even the autofocus alone on here is very practical and very handy, but it's very complicated. And a lot of people don't understand that you need to learn how to use the various autofocus functions in these cameras to get the most out of them and to get it to do what you want it to do in the right situation. So I'll go through all that stuff and in three or four weeks, we'll do a proper review video for this. So anyway, once again, guys, uh, if you enjoyed this video, please remember to like it and share it with your friends. And as always, subscribe to The Art of Photography so you'll always be up to date on all the latest and greatest videos that we do here. And there are a lot these days. So uh, if you want to keep up, remember to hit that subscribe button. Anyway, once again, guys, it's been another episode of The Art of Photography. I'll see you guys in the next video. Later.